Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Happy, as always, you're tuning into Dose of Leadership. Man, I love doing this podcast. I love having these long-form conversations because I get to meet so many interesting people, so many inspiring people. And today is one of those special episodes. Have you ever heard of Rich Fresh, that brand and the popular Henry Mass Company? Sounded by a guy named Patrick Henry, who's also known as Fresh or Rich Fresh. If you're unfamiliar with him, you've definitely seen his work donned by The Weeknd, that famous red suit that you've seen over the past couple of years, year and a half, along with other fans, including John Legend, Billy Porter, Dwayne Wade, Gabriel Union, Lena Waithe, Blake Griffin, Rick Ross, and more. His story is incredible. It's one of tenacity, agility, and grit. A theme that comes up time and time again on this show, where the talent is a given. you got to be good at something, but it's the never quitting, the tenacity, that grind and that grit is what puts you over the top. And this story is amazing. In short, Fresh started out as a tailor in the streets of Memphis, moved to New York, and then had to move to L.A. after the market crash. Then he wound up homeless and in a shelter in Los Angeles. But he had this vision and this talk with God in the shelter, and a year after leaving there, Fresh had turned $300 in his pocket into a cool $1 million, and he hasn't stopped since. It's an amazing story. And additionally, the pivoting to meet the demands of last year with COVID-19, Fresh most recently founded the Henry Mask Company alongside with his brother Chase Morgan. And you've probably seen those masks. I know I've seen them. They're the colorful masks. They're all made in Los Angeles. And for every mask purchase, one is donated to medical workers in the front lines of families. You may have seen that story. I, I remember seeing this story when it came out. But those masks have quickly become a hit with celebrity fans, including LeBron James, Jennifer Lopez, LL Cool J, Michael B. Jordan, Doja Cat, on and on and on. And it's this impressive individual. You know, with no investors and totally out of funding, Henry Mask made an extremely impressive $1 million in five months. And when most businesses were sadly shutting down, particularly in Los Angeles, Henry Mask was growing, and they were able to create 60-plus jobs. It's an amazing story. Uh, again, I just love meeting people, hearing their inside story. I don't know if I could have persevered like he did, and, and you'll get all the, the details in this conversation. It's an amazing story, and you're really going to enjoy fresh. I know I did. Word of caution, there is explicit language in this, and fresh at the beginning, asked if to be concerned about it. And I said, you know what? Just be yourself. I want this to be a natural, authentic conversation. So I want him to be him. So just give him a word of caution. But it just gets you the real deal and the real inside scoop of who Fresh is. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. It is brought to you by my Dose of Leadership University. You may have heard me say before, I've opened the doors back up to the university. I started it in 2020 at the onset of covid had 30 individuals, and then we shut the doors, and I wanted to see if I could create something of immense value, and we certainly have, and now we're trying to increase our membership. And it might be a fit for you because it is a hub of leadership knowledge, support. It's a community that delivers an impactful interaction with like-minded leaders and mentors who are searching for significance just like you. It's this interaction of this unique community that creates this level of accountability that allows you to grow into the kind of leader that you were called to be. It's a six-month commitment and within meeting twice a month online, but you have complete access outside of those 
two scheduled meetings on Saturday mornings a month. Uh, 24-7, 365 access to me and all my mentors that will help you become the composed force in a chaotic situation, increase your self-confidence and belief in others, become a courageous force in the face of fear, amplify your capacity for compassion and caring, interact with us. You also get to do live interaction, a unique thing that no other program is doing. You get to interact with some of the guests that I've had on this show. Each six-month membership gives you an opportunity to participate in at least three of these special sessions where I bring a previous guest on the show to interact with you live. These are top thought leaders, entrepreneurs, business leaders. It's something no other program is doing, but the Dosa Leadership University does. It gives you encouragement, insight, growth, accountability. Six-month enrollment is $1,500. If you want your organization to pay, pay for it, I can help you with that. I can help you have the conversation with your organization. And you get a 20% discount if multiple people from your organization attend the university together. So go check it out, doseofleadership.com university to learn more. And you can look at the landing page and sign up. Send an email to me. Sign up, meaning you would get a conversation with me to see if it might be a fit for you. You can't just plop down your credit card and join. You have to call and see if you'd be a good fit. So go check it out, doseofleadership.com slash university. All right, let's get on with this amazing conversation. Patrick Henry, a.k.a. Fresh, the founder of Rich Fresh and Henry Masks, here on Dose of Leadership. Patrick Henry, also known as Fresh, here on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me, man. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm very intrigued about your story. I always love a good hustle, grit, entrepreneurial story, but I'm really curious about your mindset because I think your mindset can teach us a lot. I've talked to a lot of people on the show, and if there's anything that comes out, they always say, what have you learned from doing this for eight years? And it's always about the tenacity, right? It's less about the talent. Talent's kind of a given. It's right. the tenacity that kind of separates people. What do you What do you think when you hear that? I used to hear something very similar. Um, it said, um, "What was it? Um, the talent, like, oh, hustle will succeed with hustle without talent succeeds beyond talent without hustle." Yeah, you know. So I used to hear that. So it's like. And I would see examples of people that weren't necessarily the most talented in the world at the thing that they did, but they hustled and they were everywhere with their thing. Um, and you saw them succeeding. You know, I mean, I live in the era of Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy is not the most talented rapper. He was really the one that solidified it for me. Like, wait a second, Soldier Boy can make all this money. He's not the, ta- the most talented rapper. However, he made sure he was everywhere. He hustled like no one else, you know? So even though he didn't necessarily have the talent that a Drake has, he was everywhere and he still got the check. Um, You know, I mean, you see products that may not necessarily be the most revolutionary product, but the way they pitch it, you know, they, other people may have a product that's better. You know, you hear people all the time complaining, Man, they sold that. Well, my product's even better. And, you know, man, if only I, if only you, you think that your product being better or your singing voice being better or you being prettier to yourself, you think that's the thing. That's not the thing. That's what your mom and dad gave you. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, what do you do with that? How do you move with what you have? And if you don't hustle, 
you likely are not going to succeed. So, yeah, I've heard that a lot growing up, and it resonates. Well, when I, I look at your story and you're 13, and you're, you're – well, you started getting passionate about fashion when you're 13, and you there's no one helping you along the way. This is what I find amazing, that all along the way, no one's really giving you support. So you're self-taught. You're self-teaching. Right. You're, you're seeking. You're searching. What do you think made it – made you keep going and not give up, particularly when you're that young, because when you're that young and you go say, you know what, I'm going to go try to ask this person, how they do it. They're not really giving you any advice or mentorship or love or guidance, but you just kept going, I guess. I mean, I suppose there were some, there were some dark nights of the soul, I would imagine, but, but how did you keep going? Do you think? I mean, at the young age, you know, I didn't do it. I wasn't doing this for business. I wasn't doing this for money. I was doing this to get girls. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Was, right. That's you know, the catalyst to get a, yeah, a girlfriend. You know, I was the kid, the nerdy kid that wanted to get the girl's attention. So I was doing it for that, like teaching myself how to sew, really getting more involved in that part of it. I knew I couldn't ask anyone because, you know, it was the wrong era to be sewing if you're a, a straight male. Like, isn't that... And I was in the wrong environment. I'm in the South. So uh, I knew I couldn't ask anyone. I knew I couldn't ask my mom. I couldn't ask my dad. I couldn't ask anyone because it couldn't get back to my dad that I was sewing. So for me, it wasn't about, oh, what was me? Because I'm not getting support. That was kind of the point. Like, I don't want anyone to know. That way it doesn't get fucked with. Right. Um, and as I got older, you know, I just developed this real rebellious chip. Mm -hmm. That was what everyone always expected me to be. You know, I was a straight A student. Uh, I carried myself a certain way. And the people started determining what I was going to do next. And I started really rebelling against that. Like I started getting tattoos in high school, just started doing a bunch of shit. Like I'm, I need to feel myself in this world. And no one really believed in fashion. Right. And everyone told me that it was like, it's not a real thing. It's not like a job. I'm like, it's something super real. I think if you just, you know, apply yourself, I think I could make something happen. I did it because people told me I couldn't. Yeah. You know, I, I'm super rebellious. If someone tells me I can't, I'm going to do it twice. I'm going to take photos and I'm going to mail them to you. You know, so I think that's what kept me going. Once I got to like, you know, my dark, dark adult years where I should have quit. I think the thing that kept me from quitting was I didn't really have a backup. You know, it was yeah, survival. the thing I invested so much of my time into. That was, that was my, my, my God, like all of my God gifts, all that stuff was in this space. If I leave this to do something else, like I got to start off at zero. So I didn't. At what point did you know that this is what you're supposed to be doing? I mean, yeah. Okay. Girls were the catalyst. You wanted to start wearing some more fashionable clothes because the girl told you, Hey, girls like it when, guys dress sharp right but at what point did you go you know what this is what i was meant to do and we all know that i i know when it happened with me and things and and some people never get that some people never reach that right they never get to that point at what point did you go this is what i'm supposed to be doing i was 18 i was in high school my, my senior year um i had like recreated myself you know at 15 I moved from Little Rock to Memphis and I left Little Rock an insecure teenager, you know, that didn't really have any luck in that space. He wasn't popular. 
you know, and in the car ride to Memphis, I thought of this new character that I could portray. Like, you could be this kid. He's the it kid. He gets all the girls. You know, he's super popular. He's this. And then um, I got to Memphis and I just evolved into that character. Yeah. And then I got the result. I was like, damn, you got the exact result that you saw on that car ride, you know? And um, then I started doing it for other kids. Like my brother, you know, his image wasn't on point. So I started working with him. So he looked like a little thug. And then just other kids, white, black, you know, just everyone would see me and say, bro, how do you put your colors together like that? It's so cool, man. How do you dress like that? And I would invite them like, look, I'm going shopping this weekend. Just come hang out with me. Bring me $20. I'll let you shop with me. I'll, I'll, I'll teach you some things. And I would do that. And I just, it hit me one day, like, there's nothing else I would want to do than this. I'm just not really making any real money, but I think at some point I can figure it out. But this is, it's easy for me to see how to do this for other people. Like, it's so easy for me to see your optimal self. You can't see it. I can see it immediately. I know exactly the colors, the concept, how your hair should be. I see the whole shit. And um, like, that's what I should be doing. I shouldn't be doing architecture or medicine or law or anything else. I should be figuring out how to help people evolve into their higher self. I didn't see it as that as a kid. I just thought, I know how to make people a better version physically. And it's effortless. This is where I should be spending my time. You know, I, I mean, I love hearing that because it, it speaks volumes to a couple of things. Like a lot of times people say, well, I'm going to set goals. My goal is to be this. I'm going to have this much money or I'm going to do this position. But I don't see you as a guy that sets goals. It's almost like you embrace the system and, you you know, again, that defiance is what a gift. I mean, I agree with you. Defiance can can be a catalyst and can and, and get you in places that otherwise seem impossible. But also telling you the mindset. And again, to me, maybe you did set goals, but it, looking back on it, I don't see you as a goal setter. I see you as like being true to your authentic self and living it out and nothing's going to detract you from it. So I guess that defiance was the shield that prevent because when you're 18 19 it doesn't take much particularly with someone close to you you know there's that resistance is going to try to stop you and it could be a loved one it can be a friend it can be a teacher someone you respect and that i bet you that's killed so many dreams in people's lives right you know if they listen to that kind of resistance that defy you know and, and and they didn't have the defiance factor that you have I just think you're so blessed that you you, you stuck with it. Anyway, my, I got, I got kind of sidetracked there, but my point was is that I didn't see as a goal setter that you you kind of embrace the systems of excellence as opposed to being a goal setter. I don't know. Does does that resonate with you when I say that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a traditional goal setter. Like I don't have a whiteboard that I look at and I sit down and make my monthly goals or my quarterly goals. I don't do any yeah, of that shit. Right. Um, but I have an idea for myself. Like, I intend to be a certain person by a certain point, and that person has this type of life. Right. And so it's more like that. Like, I, I, I figure out a general idea of the life that I want. I don't have to be exact, but a general idea. And then how do I need to evolve to fit in that life? Yeah. I'll start the evolving process. 
and then naturally just i mean i guess you you know you spoke to me just being my authentic self i think it's just the frequency i'm on i attract the people i'm supposed to meet during the journey to go to the next place by just like being myself and knowing who i want to be knowing the general things i want like i don't have i can't tell you in three months where i intend for both of my businesses to be financial all that it doesn't really work that way for me it's it's more like i know i want us to be in this space super successful very prominent and then next week something will happen i'll hear something i'll read something and it will become a micro goal hey here's a new micro goal something i just thought of we're going to do boom 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 put a team on it let's get going and let's just keep walking being organic pick up things as we go along and then we end up somewhere um I, you know, I, I kind of know where I want to go, but, you know, when I was younger, I used to be a super goal setter and none of them ever happened. You know, I'd be so meticulous in these goals and this dollar amount by this year and this month and all this stupid shit and none of it ever happened. And I read something that was more like, you know, I think it was more of a religious concept of like, that's not faith. You know, like faith is more or less, Having having the destination in mind, but being so fixed on the destination, and you just have to trust God throughout the journey. But just really only focusing on so many so many people. Instead of focusing on I want to get to California, they say I got to take this long trip. I need it to be perfect. Right. I'm only going to go where it doesn't rain. I need to make sure that we have the perfect car. Well, I don't want to roof on it because it's not going to rain. So we'll never need that. But that's, you know, and they do too much of the other unnecessary shit. And then they lose sight of the goal. They spent so much time working on the journey. They've tired themselves out or they've talked themselves out of some shit rather than just focusing on the goal, trusting it. Like as I move diligently in this direction, doors will open in my favor. That's like, that's the way I move. That's exactly, I know that's, I figured that's how you operated. I love that. That resonates with me deeply. I I agree with you. I was, it's kind of like goals can, can almost be soul crushing because it's paralyzing. And it's kind of like the mindset when I was reading about you, you know, you wanted to be, you, you're, in this case, a micro destination was I wanted to be a designer for celebs. And so you just told yourself, you assumed the role or the identity of a designer that of celebrities. Even though you didn't have a celebrity client yet, you said, this is what I am. And this is what a designer of celebrities does and acts like. And that opened up the doors. And I think that is the secret sauce. I really do think that's the secret sauce. I agree. You know, it's just like, you got to say it before other people say it. You have to think it before other people think it. And in most cases, like if you start acting on it as if it is, then it is. That's what faith is. You know, Mm -hmm. I just equated it to Noah and this ark. He built it for a flood. He didn't build it just to be building it. He built it because he was confident in this outcome. It was just around the corner that no one else could see. And this is how how you got to move, you know. Um, Again, like you said, I didn't have a single celebrity client, but I knew if anyone should be the person, it should be me. I'm so cool. 
my shit's so dope. Let me just say it. And I put it in my bio, Celebrity Taylor. Look through all my stuff. We didn't see any celebrities, but I said Celebrity Taylor. I took photos of myself. I became a celebrity. Took photos of myself, real cool, fly stuff, hand over my face, fly poses, cool stuff. Um, and, you know, stylist was like, oh my God, he's not, oh, he said Celebrity Taylor. And they reach out, I was like, hey, we see you got great stuff. You're a celebrity tailor. Yeah, we were sent you. Yeah, I'm a celebrity tailor. This is what I do. Oh, really? Like, who do you work with? God, who do I not work with? Like, I work with, I work with a lot of, of big names. Let's just put it that way. I'm really private, and I, my clients are really private, but I'm very good at what I do. I don't put them, you know, I don't put them on my page, obviously, um, just out of respect, but which was some bullshit, because clearly I'll put them on my page real quickly. Um but I just said that with this confidence that this is exactly who I am and this is what it costs and here's my process. And they're like, well, shit, he said it and no one's refuting it. So I guess he is a celebrity tailor. And then I just, and I saw him like, whoa. So if you say it and no one argues it, it will become the truth. If, if you say something long enough without anyone arguing it, it will become the truth. Uh, so I said, okay, shit, well, let's keep doing that. <laughs> well, I think, I started, uh, yeah. And I think the qualifier though, the difference is, is that you had the talent to back it up. It'd be one thing if you were, you know, if you were, you couldn't sew a straight line, right. then that, yeah. that would be swindling, you know, but here you're like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. You, in your mind, you, you feel like, God, the angels, the muse, whoever put this on your heart, and this is what you're supposed to do. In your mind, you would shame the universe if you didn't do these things. Yeah. So to me, that's the difference, right? You had it backed up. But it it, it does speak volumes to the manifestation of, of, of it's kind of like if someone says, trying to quit smoking, two people are trying to quit smoking, and someone offers them a cigarette. One guy says, no, I'm trying to quit. And the other person says, no, I'm not a smoker. That that's the difference. Like the the person mm-hmm. who the person who says I'm trying to quit is not going to quit. The person right. that says no, nah, I'm not a smoker, even though they just stopped smoking eight hours ago, that's the mm-hmm. difference, right? That's that's kind of the mindset we're talking about there. Absolutely, it's all mindset. Like I do my my Instagram lives all the time, and all I can really attest to is mindset. Yeah, I'm a dope designer, but most of the people on there they don't need design help. They don't need help becoming a better designer. They just need a mental shift. You know, and the mentorship applies in any industry, any market. And, you know, it's just like you said, like, you know, speaking to addictions. Um, one of the easiest things I ever did was stop drinking, stop smoking, you know, stop doing drugs. I went vegan. And it was really like a, a, a test, like challenging yourself. Can you really evolve? People, people you know, I was talking to someone one day, I don't know if it was a guy or a girl, but they were talking about smoking. And he's like, oh man, you stopped smoking? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I mean, you know, I've been smoking a long time. Like, dude, I've been smoking cigarettes since I was 14 years old. I've been smoking cigarettes a long time. I just, it didn't serve me anymore. So I just quit. They're like, oh man, I wish I could, man. I could, man, ish, man, man. I don't know, man, it's something about cigarettes, man. They just, and, and, and I picked up a cigarette and I was like, you mean this little ass thing? 
This little ass thing has that much power over you. You can't even open your mouth and say that you're bigger. You can't even say it out your mouth, you know what I mean? And it's just that people limit themselves with the words that they choose to use. When you could just claim victory over something, you said maybe instead of saying absolutely. Why? You know, and I think it's just people not being confident. And, you know, again, if someone asks you a question, hey, can you come over at seven? I've got some people over. We'd love to see you. And you say, absolutely. You've committed to the thing. If you say maybe, it's more than likely no. But I'm too big of a, of a wuss to just say no. So I'm going to say maybe instead. So people who maybe, you know, I'm, 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 I'm an aspiring entrepreneur. No, you're not. Entrepreneurs don't aspire to be an entrepreneur. You just fucking do it. You're not an aspiring singer, an aspiring actor. That's a child who watches TV. A child who watches a TV show and says, mommy, I want to do that. That's an aspiring actor. You know, either do the shit or don't. You know, the second Tony Robbins said, uh, I think it was him that said it. You know, I used to read lots of self-help books. That's all I read. I, I never read fiction. I listened to like... NPR and self-help books all the time. I'm just a mental person like that. But Tony Robbins said, you know, breaking addictions doesn't take time. It happens in an instant. It's committing to the action that takes time. Anyone who's ever stopped smoking cigarettes quit instantly. It just took time for them to realize that they'd actually quit. But mentally, like anyone who quits, they quit. You know, so... I thought that and I was just like, man, I got to do some different shit to get a different result in life. I don't want to do these things anymore. They no longer serve me. I'll never do them again. Like, boom, there's no I'm trying. I'm thinking about, oh, you know, I'm a no. It's no longer who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when you're saying that I'm thinking about the times where it has served me, I guess I've been in that mindset and where I've been stuck or didn't achieve what I, it was, I was thinking the maybe I was more of the aspiring, right? Yeah. That makes sense. It's such a mindset game. Imagine if I said aspiring celebrity Taylor. Yeah. You would never be it. Imagine if that was in my bio. I wouldn't have got a single call. No one should trust. I shouldn't trust you. If you're an aspiring, uh, uh, diamond jeweler, I'm not going to trust you to put no shit in my watch. Mm -hmm. I'm an aspiring dentist. You're not working on my teeth, Jack. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a first year, even if you're in dental school, you're more likely to work on my shit if you say, I am a dentist. I'm in dental school actively pursuing this thing that I intend, as opposed to I'm an aspiring. That's maybe one day. If everything goes right. Yeah, I think I yeah, you know, I'm just thinking running in my head all the things that the things that I have accomplished. You know, going to flight school, becoming a pilot. I remember even though I hadn't flown, I told myself this is what I this is who I am. I'm a pilot. I I remember thinking back, I said that and I wasn't yet, right? And even in that difficult process and even where it got, well, maybe this isn't for me. I thought, no, wait. That's those are that's the resistance trying to stop me from doing this, right? Mm-hmm. One thing I appreciate about you too is like you seem to understand the power of staying composed in, in chaotic situations. I think a lot of times I think that's what drives me crazy or when I, I'm looking at situations is never to panic. 
and obviously as an aviator, as a pilot, that's, that's, that's a non-negotiable for me, right? I have to always compartmentalize and, and always stay composed. You seem like that type of guy to me that you, you understand the power of staying composed no matter what's happening, that you have this ability to compartmentalize what's really going on internally and, and just kind of push it down for the moment and and be the calming force in, the, in a kind of a crazy situation. I say that because of what you did, how you pivoted during COVID with the masks. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the where I, I got that from. But I don't know what. How does that resonate with you when I'm when I'm saying saying this? I mean, it's all super true. Um, it's very much my personality. But you know, it, it's happened over time. It's just happened from from experience, having a lot of traumatic life experience. Yeah, yeah. And you just, you know, I went to school with a kid that blew his blew his head off in the, in his car because his girlfriend broke up with him. And I just thought to myself. Dude, you could have dated another girl. You know, like, damn, bro, if you just waited a month, three months, you would have dated another girl. But instead, you know, you reacted to how you felt right now. and You blew your fucking brains out. And then always, like, things like that stuck with me. It's like, you know, don't ever be so consumed in the moment that you think it's real. Because the moment is now the past. It's not even real anymore. It's now only in your head. It's not even real. Someone slaps you right now. You felt that shit a minute ago. How you respond is on you. But this, they didn't slap you now. They slapped you three seconds ago. Now you got to figure out what it is. If you sit holding your face all day, like, oh my God, I got slapped. I can't believe I got slapped. Imagine doing that all day. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I got slapped. I got slapped. I got slapped. You're not going to. Because at some point, you didn't get slapped. You got slapped. So sometimes life slaps you. And when it slaps you, you just have to deal. You know, I've I've just dealt with everything that one could think to deal with, you know, like unexpected, you know, deaths, all these different tragedies. And, you know, I was raising my kid at the time. So, you know, like by myself. So a lot of things you, you can't crack because yeah, I still yeah. have to take care of my kid. I, I can't crack because if I crack, she's done. She's screwed. Mm-hmm. So I have to maintain something, even though everything around me wants to crack. And then, you know, um, trying something that hasn't been done. You know, I don't come from a family of tailors, a family of entrepreneurs. Like, I'm first generation, all this. So figuring it out on your own, you know, losing friends and being betrayed, all these things. You know, some people take it personally. I take it as lessons. Like, I like to learn things from it. And then going through lows. I think some people don't really experience lows, you know, and they don't realize that how much higher you can come from a love, mm-hmm. you know? So a person who never experienced any type of adversity, the first time that they get hit with something, it's, it's just a speed bump. They're stuck there. They don't even know how to go over it. Oh my God, I can't drive over this. Yes, you can. It's going to feel uncomfortable for a second, but just drive over it. The people who deal with certain adversity, they just realize that like, this is only temporary. You know, like I lived in a shelter for months with junkies. You know, I, again, I was an addict. I had all these different things that should have destroyed me and they didn't. So, you know, and I give God all this praise and stuff. And now the pandemic hit and and everyone's saying that 
that I'm, 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 I'm done. Like, oh man, you were so close. Oh man, damn man. Oh man, why would God do this to you? You were so close. Oh no, man, that was terrible. And I'm like, nah, I just don't think that that's how this is gonna go. I just think this is a step back moment. And I literally didn't panic, not one time that I panic or say, oh my God, I can't pay my house rent or I can't pay my employees. Oh God, what am I gonna do with the cars? I was just like, yo, we'll figure it out. You know, God's not gonna bring us this far and then drop us off a cliff. There's something here. We just gotta be patient, just listen. And then Henry showed up and was like, boom. We, we didn't move into it thinking, yo, let's start a mass company and it'd be huge and boom. We just were responding to a need. Our tailors need masks. Let's right. make them because we can't buy them. And God just said, here's the opportunity that I was preparing for you. And I just happened to see it as like, yo, this is a much bigger thing than us just making some masks. Like, this is a bigger opportunity. Right. There's a huge pervasive need that we can tend to by creating it this way and by branding it this way and by pricing it this way. And then, you know, all that just came to fruition from just being calm. Yeah, from not panicking. Standing. Yeah, not panicking. And I think, and having those, again, I think that's the entrepreneurial lens of we're not trying to make a buck, we're trying to solve problems. And I think that's all, what all sustainable entrepreneurs do is they they drive around and they look to solve problems. They don't look to build Oh, we got to build a website, this product. And they're all just, you know, it's not like it's one product, one identity of the brand. It's like, how do you solve problems? And people will empty their pockets if you solve their problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know much about when you got homeless. I didn't, I was trying to figure that out. I didn't, I didn't see where that fit into the timeline. So you went to New York and then you went to LA and then things got hard in LA and you were homeless while you were in LA. Is, do I got that right? I was homeless before LA. Um, yeah, I mean, things were tough in Memphis uh, when I moved back from New York. Uh, I ended up getting custody of my daughter and she was two at the time. And so um, now I'm just taking care of a kid by myself. Like her mom moved, moved away. And, um, and you know, I'm not working a job, so I'm just doing the alterations and just little odd jobs so that I don't have to have, you know, because I need to be from there for my kid. I didn't want to have to put her in daycare and have babysitters right. and all that. And uh, just was not making a lot of money. You know, I was on food stamps, I was on welfare. And, um, you know, every time we're like, shit, you know, got put out of, of my place. And fortunately, I had some, some good friends at the time in Memphis who were like, yo, you know, you can stay at my spot for a minute. I've crashed on couches with my kid. Wow. So it had it, been rough for a while. Moving to the West Coast was like pursuing something better. Like, man, right. I'm so talented. We got to go somewhere where there's more opportunity. So left with my daughter. Went to San Diego. Shit, we were homeless in San Diego. Like, wow. You know, at one point, I couldn't. I couldn't even take care of. I, I just was not making any money. So I flew my daughter out to stay with my mom, and me and my my brother slept on a woman's couch. Wow. That wasn't big enough for one person to lay on. So we both just. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we slept, you know, for like months trying to figure it out. But we just always like keep figuring it out. We're not sitting around watching TV doing bum shit. Like we're working. Um, and then, yeah, L.A., you know, I moved to L.A. in 2013. 
quit my job in 2014, thought everything was going to be peaches and cream. Um, 2015, I ended up sleeping on my brother's couch because he moved to uh, West Hollywood, was making way more money than me at the time. So I'm staying on his couch. And then the following year, you know, I had my little apartment, but I also had a coke problem. <laughs> so wow. I was fucking all my money off. And I looked up and I couldn't, and I looked up and I was getting evicted. And um, I spent months, I slept in a, in a storage in a storage unit. Um, and then after that, the guy that runs uh, operations for Henry Mask and Rich Fresh, like I had a little key to his office. He just had a small little office. He would let me, you know, go there to see clients from time to time. I slept in his office after hours for three months in an office chair. Um, you know, and then in 2017, you know, I thought I figured things out. I finally, finally got on my feet. I had a few dollars and I was moving out of an apartment. Uh, you know, I hadn't found one for myself, but I was like, you know, I got like $8,000. I got enough money to, to move into an apartment. I'm good to go. And I had a client, a very rich client at the time, um, asked me to make him some clothes. And me not being a good businessman, I valued the fact that he was rich over the fact that I'm in business. And I made all these clothes for this man and I used my money, just assuming that since you're rich, you're gonna get off on like a $15,000 bill. And I spent all but like 250 bucks of my $8,000 to make this guy shit. Oh man. So now my house money is no longer and this guy has no intention of paying me. He's he's run off now. No way. Um, you know, when when you don't have a success mindset and you have a victim mindset, instead of me saying, "Oh damn, man, this guy got me," okay, I need to make more money. Figure this out. I was stuck on getting it from this guy because he fucking owed me. No, I'm gonna get it from him. He's gonna give me my money. I don't need to worry about getting more money because I'm gonna get it from this guy who's never gonna pay me. So what happens is you run out of money before <laughs> you ever get any money. And I ran out of money and I looked up and I was like, shit. And it was winter. It was November, 2017, which is not really winter, but you know, still it's winter. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's LA winter, you know? <laughs> uh, but you know, I didn't have any money to do shit. I couldn't get a hotel room. I couldn't do anything. And I would walk around some nights and just like, walk till 4 a.m. and sleep on a bench for like an hour and a half, pop up when the sun pops up. Just a real weird time. Um, and then I found this little shelter, you know, it's 13 bucks a night. They give you a toothbrush when you come in. And uh, I was there for like three months, you know, laying on little yoga mats, arm's length from, you know, junkies and bums. People, you know, having fits all night, snoring, yelling, all kind of weird, trippy shit. Man. Um, and I was there for like 90 days, you know, and it was just, uh, it was tough, but it was a beautiful experience because it was that rock bottom. It was that thing that was like, this is the result of bad decisions. Yeah. Do you like this? That was the dark night of the soul. I mean, it was more than a night, but that I was, I was going to ask, was that the splat moment? Was that, that was it? That was it. That's crazy. That's that wasn't yeah. that, that wasn't that long ago, man. That wasn't, that's just around the corner. That's yeah, what's three crazy. Years ago, yeah. 36 months. It was no time. Um, but it was magical, man. You know, I was, I was lower than low, dude. 
I was solo. I was depressed. And, and you know, like you're depressed and you're hiding this from everyone. I couldn't tell anyone I was like this because my mom would have lost her fucking mind. So again, it's another secret. You know, I'm not telling none of my siblings. I'm carrying on like everything is fine and dandy. I'm paying my child support. But, you know, I'm in a bad situation. Um, but it was just being there and being so... Probably, shit, I probably snapped. I probably had like a mental break. That's probably what happened. Um, and then God just showed up and just started talking to me. And like, I just heard things I never heard before and just had a conversation with an invisible being. And Like what? What were you hearing? Um, it was the last time that I called that guy uh, about my money. And this is in like December. No, it wasn't. It was in January. Um, so in January, 2018, you know, I'm still in the shelter. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm calling this guy and I'm like, yo, I need my fucking money. What is wrong with you? Like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? I, I know where you live. I have your address. Why are you playing games? And you say you like my product. Like, if you didn't like my shit, give me back my shit. But if you want the product, give me my fucking money. I'm saying this all to a voicemail, of course, because he won't even answer the call. All right. And so I end with like, um, you need to stop playing and get my motherfucking money. You know, like I, I, you know, some some gangster shit, whatever, some gangster shit. This dude lives in the most exclusive community in Calabasas. This is multiple gates. You can't get to this shit. You can't climb up the gate. But I'm talking big shit, you know. You stop fucking playing with me, get my motherfucking money. And I hang the phone up. And, um, and I heard someone laughing at me. I'm in the shelter. I'm in this room all by myself having this conversation with this dude. And I hang the phone up and I'm huffing, I'm puffing, and my fists are clenched. And I hear someone laughing loud right behind me. So I spin around real quick, like, who the fuck laughing at me, right? And there was no one there. And I turn back around and I hear laughing again. And I spin around like, who the fuck is in here playing with me? You know what I'm saying? Like. This is not the time, Jack. This is not the time. And there was no one there. And then all of a sudden, as clear as I'm talking to you, poof, you just so mad, huh? You just gonna make this man pay you this money. Hmm. I just wonder, why have you chosen to make him your God? You go to him every day, asking him for something he's not gonna give you. Why have you made him your God? You haven't come to me yet. Hmm. Poof. It was like, yo, what the fuck is happening? And then God just sat down and we just had a conversation. He was like, here's what it is, Jack. This is what happens when you make bad decisions. If you don't want to be here, we just have to set, set your compass for something else. Because right now you have set your shit for this and you got exactly what you asked for. All right. This is a result of all these bad decisions and bullshit that you've been doing. So if you want to do something different, you just got to commit to being somebody different. First thing you're going to do is not ask this fucking guy for any more money anymore. He can't save you. Only I can save you. Hmm. Say it out loud. You'll never ask him for money again. In this room, like, uh, so I just had to say out loud. I'll never, as I'll never, you know, I'll never call this guy again. That's what his money. And then God was like, great. I'm going to get you out of here. And 
Here's the thing, though. When people ask you how this happened, you can't say some other guy paid me some fucking money he owed me. You have to say God did this mm. out of thin air. I was like, I bet. And so, so that was that. And then it was like my whole mindset shifted and I wasn't homeless anymore. I was just, I was a very rich person who was in the homeless chapter of his book. And no one else here knows how fucking rich I am. Yeah. That's crazy. And then it got fun for me. It was like, these people have no idea. They think I'm coming in here just like everyone else who's coming in here. The guy who I'm laying down and I can reach out and touch him, he thinks I'm like him. But what he doesn't know is when I get out of here, I'm never coming back. Mm. So they don't know. So then it turned into more of like an adventure. And then um, I started having these dreams about what the future would look like. Like very vivid, like who is the future version of myself? And I could just see like, I moved a certain way. I spoke a certain way. I commanded a certain de degree of respect. And like, he was a boss, that dude's a fucking boss. I can tell he doesn't make excuses. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't bullshit. He gets it done. He's got, a, he's got staff around him. I can tell this guy's not an alcoholic and he doesn't look like he's on drugs. He walks with his head up. So I was just like, and he had pink hair. And um, I just thought to myself, that's a reality worth walking in. I've done this before as a kid. I've crafted a reality from an idea in my head. I'm going to become that person that I saw in that vision, in that dream. He's a boss. He doesn't go by rich. He goes by the name Fresh. He's got a different company. His company's called Rich Fresh. All his shit's luxury. He drives Maseratis. He lives in mansions. He's somebody. He's the greatest of his generation. He's an icon. He's a legend. I just started seeing these things and saying them. And I would write this shit down. You know, I, I would tell people that I wrote the uh, Rich Fresh business plan in the shelter, but I really didn't. All I wrote was the, the me business plan. Who is the person that has the shit? He's this. He wears these types of clothes. He says this about himself. He goes by this. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. He does this. And I just wrote a plan for myself. What do I need to be to become a more successful version of myself? The rest will happen. I don't know how, but the rest will happen. I leave the shelter in January. It was the same month a guy came and spoke to me. So I left the shelter like maybe two weeks later. I had like $300. Um, and I just had this idea. And I started doing this thing where I would just talk to God and ask God for more and ask God for these things. And, give up stuff and make these personal sacrifices. And I made, I made a million dollars that year. Wow. Just off of just like, again, off hustle, just $300, this insane belief in God. And they're like, anything I say I want, I'm going to get, God's going to give it to me. I just have to commit and give up stuff. And Instagram, you know, and just doing good business. Like I did very good business. I still do very good business, but I was committed to doing amazing, impeccable business. And my business, my shit just, boom, just blew up. Mm. That's an amazing story. That's, an, that's just amazing. I, I wonder now, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're in a place and this is so, I mean, it's so f recent. I mean, I would imagine you're still talking with God and you're still contributing the success to him, I would, I would imagine. 
100%. And it speaks volumes to the, you know, I think I read somewhere when I was reading about you that if you've been blessed, it's kind of our obligation to, to bless others, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that really the only universal obligation that we all have is to make this place better than we found it, right? And Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's inspirational for me to hear that story because it reminds me even, you know, and I've experienced similar, certainly not the level that you have, but I mean, when I'm hanging on tight and I'm trying and I want to do this, it never works. But if I just kind of surrender and let go and listen, that's when things seem to start to happen. And I think that's that's the key to an abundant mindset. And it seems like that's what you tapped into that night when you talked to him is like the difference between the scarcity mindset and an abundant mindset. I don't know if you explicitly ever thought of it that way, but that's to me, I'm just, that's what happened to you at that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when you don't have, you think that it's not there. You think it's not there because you don't have it. It's everywhere. Money is everywhere. There's money everywhere around us. But if you don't have it, you think that there's just a shortage of money. It's never a shortage of money. There's no shortage of anything that's needed. It's just your ability to receive. You know, it's oftentimes is tied to your ability to believe you deserve to receive. Yeah. You know, part of just part of the thing, you know, like part of my conversations with God. It's like a certain things that just, they always troubled me, you know, like I'm a nice, I'm a nice guy. I, I, I contribute. I'm good to people. I'm fair. I hold doors open. You know, I always go out of my way. I'm just a pure, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't kill insects. I don't want to harm anything. I want everything to be great. And the thing that's always troubled me, it's always been like a pain point. It's always been money. Like my whole life, like trying to be a good person, the pain point was still always money. And um, just part of this thing was like, look, man, do great work, be diligent, you know, honor your word, operate with integrity, you know, give God glory. You'll never worry about money. Like that was like, like God spoke it out the clouds. You'll never worry about money as long as you live. Never. And I've never had a single day where I've worried about money Mm. since that day. You know, and I've had a lot of days where everyone around me has worried about money. Like, oh, my God, you got to come up with a hundred thousand dollars in eight days. Oh, my God, we're in trouble. It's like, OK, oh, where's it going to come from? What are we going to do? Oh, my God, we don't know what we're going to do. And people are panicking. It's like, man, don't worry about that, man. I got that. I'm just going to go talk to God, man. It's cool. They're like, no, come on. Listen, man, we don't have that shit, man. Listen, seriously, we're in trouble. Like. Do you have a better suggestion? Because I'm telling you right now, I go talk to God, it's done. I'm not worried about shit. I have a different relationship with God than you. Like, I'm going to go talk to God and God is going to tell me he got me. I'll hear him say it. And then I ain't got to worry about shit else. I'm going to go get the work. It always, I always get whatever I need. If I need it, I go talk to God. Because, you know, I do what I'm, I do what I'm required to do. I do what I've been charged with consistently. You ever ask me, who do you, who do you equate your success to? You know, like a lot of successful people. Like, is this just something that, that it was just, it was just you, just all you, you know, you just had to figure it out yourself and you just give yourself all the glory. I mean, you know, someone actually asked me that the other day, you know, is this just like 
a thing that happens when you just do it over and over and over and you just finally figure out. I said, fuck no. I did it over and over and over for 20 years and was a failure. <laughs> this is God, bro. This is an absolute miracle. You can't equate it to anything but God's ability to just change things. If you can change a person's brain and you can change a person's environment, you know? Mm. So as long as I do this thing I'm supposed to do, I don't worry about shit. I'm not worried about no money. I'm not worried about business. I'm not worried about anything. I have not a worry in the world. That's amazing. To have that sense of peace and confidence is probably something most of us would or are envious of, you know. But I think you're right. I mean, you know, I think most of us listening to this, and I know I have, have had glimpses of what you're talking about, and that's the truth. I mean, when when it has been right for me in those moments, it's been like you said. It's it's listening, less less talking and more listening, for sure. But it's always followed by action. What I love about it is like it's not like you're asking and and you know something falls out of the sky. There's some hustle and action behind all of that. You know, Absolutely. the next step. That's amazing, yeah. man. You just, what an amazing story. I did not know that. I did not think that the story would go that way. But that was just amazing. What's next for you? What's coming up? You just launched your new um, designer line. Is that right? That just came out a couple weeks ago. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, it's And that's a, it's another thing. You know, I, I've, I've been so busy doing everything else. Henry obviously occupies a lot of my time. And even just my rich, fresh, my normal business doing music videos for celebrities and weddings and covers and just wardrobe. I just felt like something was missing. And I haven't done a radio work line. You couldn't go online and buy any Rich Fresh. Years. I've been in business for three years and you can't go online and buy a t-shirt or <laughs> nothing. And um, I just felt like I was being a little punk. Like I was scared to do it. Maybe I didn't think I was good enough. And um, I was just chilling. I was getting ready for my mom's birthday party. We were playing at her party at uh, our house in Calabasas. And I walked past this um, this window and, you know, I can see my reflection and I'm just having to stop and look at the reflection. And, you know, sometimes God will show up in my reflection and start talking to me. And um, I just got chastised for accepting less and not thinking I could do more. Mm. Like, Why have you not done this yet? Why are we still talking about this shit? Put this line out now. And, you know, this is on uh, April 8th. So April 8th is the day that I was like, get your shit together and do this line. You've been telling people forever that you're going to do a line at some point. You're just bullshitting. Do it right now. Now you have to drop it. And here's the date, 423. Go. And that's the day my dad died. And, you know, God was just like, this is it. There's no alternative. You will drop this line on April 23rd at 9 a.m. And that is what it is. So go on record and do it right now. And you know, when I get charged to do what I'm supposed to do, I just get right to it. So I was like, okay, 423 it is. <laughs> we gotta have a collection done. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know anything aside from 423 is a day that it better happen. It gotta get done. And so I just went to work, um, put it together and it's beautiful. and. You know, I've got a lot of big interests 
just as a result of operating in faith, you know, had I not done that thing, which I didn't have to do. I mean, I'm successful. I'll make plenty of money. But had I not obeyed that voice, something that's happening right now would not have happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So now it's just like, you know, I'm moving forward. I'm doing women's wear. I'm going to really lean in and be very aggressive on doing women's pieces. Um doing some collaborations and just growing all the businesses beyond, you know, I think I'm the hottest in the game, period. I think I got the hottest mask brand. I think I'm the hottest designer. I'm definitely the hottest tailor, but I'm still comfortable with indie. Still comfortable with this independent label shit. Mm -hmm. Still comfortable with getting, you know, a little bit of money, smaller venues, but you know, it's all good. I'm getting all the money from smaller venues. And I'm I'm growing beyond that and I'm ready to like do some Drake shit. Like I should be selling out arenas. I should be doing world tours. It should be a million dollars every time I open my mouth and perform. Like it should be big shit. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just all big shit. Like I only want big shit because I feel like I'm the one for it. I've put in the work and a lot of people don't want big shit. I want big shit. I want world tours. I want 100,000 people in the audience. You know, I want all the pressure. I want all, all that shit. So I'm going to get all that shit. Well, if there's anybody that's going to do it, it's definitely going to be you. I Absolutely. mean, you've definitely got the right mindset. Man, is there anything that we haven't talked about? We're coming up on an hour here, and I want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything that we haven't said or talked about that you want to make sure it gets across? No, I mean, you know, um, I know we definitely touched on uh, the mask company, which is, you know, it's a very important part of this story, you know. Um, it's uh, it's really solidified my place as an entrepreneur, you know, mm-hmm. beyond, because I'm not a fashion designer. I'm really an entrepreneur who just picked fashion. Right. Uh, and so I think, you know, the Henry Mask piece, like, really speaks to that. Uh, Rich Rest still speaks to the creativity. I've, I've got another concept I'm working on, which I'll speak to very, very soon. Um, but I have a shoe concept that I'm going to be working mm. on, a freestanding brand, uh, which is going to be really major. Um, lots of big changes with the Henry brand. Um, lots of just evolution. You know, we've done such a great job of building our audience, building the brand. And now it's just time to really put our flag in the ground. Um, so just very excited about that. Lots of big collaborations with Rich Fresh. Uh, just some things so big I can't even speak on, but like it's really <laughs> crazy to think that a year ago people questioned if Rich Fresh is going to still be here. Wow. Yeah. And Rich Fresh isn't going anywhere. It'll be here forever. Well, your inspiration, your great story. I was so excited to sit down and talk with you. I feel blessed to to have met you. Hopefully we can stay in touch. But man, that, what a great story and, and what a great guest. Thanks for coming on the show, Fresh. We'll have links to all of your brand stuff on the post notes and how to link up to all your stuff. But uh, man, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me, man. Anytime. I, I love, love to chat with you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dosa Leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concepts of 
creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we work together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.